This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Is it crazy to think that we can treat a disease before it happens? No, it's not crazy, right? We do that all the time. So uh, heart disease is the best one, right? Many of you uh, get exercise, not because you like it, but because you think it's good for you. Uh, You eat well, and some of you are taking drugs to lower your blood pressure or your cholesterol, all because we think these things are going to prevent heart disease and stroke. And this is an idea that in thinking about the brain, you know, we we don't really really think it's possible. But I'm going to show you that over the last 10 years, we've had a really different way of thinking about Alzheimer's disease. Uh, And through advances in molecular biology and imaging, we sort of have the ability to to start thinking about preventing it before it happens. So... Before I get into this too far, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Dementia uh, is a term that is sort of a global term for progressive loss of cognitive ability, and Alzheimer's disease is of one cause of dementia. It's the disease that's the most common cause of dementia, and I think many of you know that it it begins usually with memory loss, and of course all of us uh, are worried about that because we're all forgetting things all the time. So, when we look at the brain of a person with Alzheimer's disease, this is a photomicrograph that shows you the plaque and the tangle. And there are two kinds of abnormalities here. There's the amyloid plaque, or made of this protein called A-beta, which is this big, dense, gooey protein that kind of uh, aggregates in the brain. And then there's the tau, made out of uh, the neurofibrillary tangle here, uh, which is made out of a protein called tau. And we have this plaque protein and the tau protein, and they exist in the brain of people with Alzheimer's disease. And by studying transgenic animals and patients over the course of the last 20 years, we've elucidated sort of a pathway by which these proteins get deposited in the brain. And the amyloid protein is actually cleaved. So this is the A-beta amyloid protein that's cleaved from this much larger protein by these two enzymes called beta and gamma secretase. And when they cleave this protein, the amyloid floats off into the brain and forms these plaques. And we think that these plaques may then subsequently actually precipitate the development of this neurofibrillary tangle. So there's a lot of evidence that this A-beta plaque If it's not the cause of Alzheimer's disease, and we don't really know what the cause is, but if it's not the cause, it's at least a very, very early event in the the formation of this particular disease, in the pathogenesis of the disease. So we can now image this amyloid protein in the brain, and this is really the most remarkable development in my career. Um, This is uh, the the way this technique came about was by starting with this dye called thioflavin T, and this thioflavin T could be used in tissue sections, just like the one I just showed you, to stain the amyloid protein so you could see it under the microscope. So this is a microscope slide showing you the amyloid plaques stained with this thioflavin T dye. Well, theoretically, all you would have to do would be to figure out a way to visualize this particular dye when it's injected in the brain, into the the blood vessels of a person. It would circulate around, just a very simple injection. Uh, But it really was a very complicated problem, and a couple of guys uh, at Pittsburgh, actually, worked this this, uh, process out, and they figured out that they could label this with a carbon-11, which was a positron-emitting radioisotope. 
We have a cyclotron in Berkeley that we can use to make things like this. Carbon-11 has a 20-minute half-life. So what we do in my lab is we make this carbon-11 labeled compound, inject it into a person, and then we can image the brain and actually see the amount of amyloid. So we've taken this molecule that's a dye and engineered it so that it gets into the brain with a simple injection, a very low dose of radioactivity to individuals, and we can actually see this amyloid protein in the brain. And this is an example of an MRI scan uh, and an amyloid image scan shown, on, shown superimposed on each other. And this red is the area of the brain where the amyloid is, is deposited. And what's remarkable about this particular image is it comes from a normal older person. This is a person who doesn't have symptoms. It's a person who doesn't complain of memory loss, who tests completely normally on memory tests. In fact, this is a volunteer from the Berkeley community. I'm going to tell you, maybe one of you. Uh, I hope not. Uh, but we don't actually know what this means. We don't know that this means this person will develop Alzheimer's disease. All we know is that this person has this amyloid in the brain. Uh, but we think it's a risk for getting Alzheimer's disease. And as I said, it turns out that about 30% of uh, healthy older people uh, in their 70s or 80s uh, will have a, a brain scan that looks like this. So by studying people uh, who are healthy and following them over time and doing other kinds of scans like MRI scans and all kinds of other imaging studies, we've kind of formed a view of, of, of the idea that Alzheimer's disease, uh, the amyloid is there for a long time before symptoms occur. And we think it begins with this amyloid uh, in the brain and then it develops on to showing degeneration of the brain where we start to see these changes like we talked about with the tau pathology and the tangles. We start to see evidence of functional change, and we can detect that in other kinds of brain scans. And it's only after a long time, we think probably 15 or 20 years, that we end up uh, with individuals who develop decline in their thinking abilities and dementia. So this is a long process, and in between, uh, we have these other abnormalities that we think the amyloid provokes. Okay, so, so far, that's all bad news, isn't it? <clears throat> well, let's go back to this model. And what you're, you remember is that this amyloid protein is cleaved by, by these beta and gamma secretases, and now we can actually develop drugs that target various aspects of this. And so a number of uh, different laboratories and companies uh, have developed these approaches. One is where we use antibodies to actually lower the amyloid in the brain. Uh, the other is where we use uh, enzyme inhibitors that actually block these secretase enzymes and prevent this A-beta from being cut from the larger molecule in the first place. So in theory, we can use these approaches. Now, they've been tried in people with Alzheimer's disease. And here's an example of a study uh, that was published a, a few years ago where they gave uh, Alzheimer's disease patients this drug uh, called bapinuzumab. Say that 10 times fast. Uh, they gave this drug bapinuzumab, which is an antibody that lowers amyloid. So did it work? Did it lower amyloid? Well, here's... Two, in, two individual people. Uh, this is a baseline scan, and this is a scan after treatment. And you can see the amyloid has gone down in the image. And here the amyloid has gone from this to this. So the amyloid seems like it's been lowered in contrast to the individual on placebo. But don't take two images uh, for it. Uh, here's the aggregate data that shows the placebo group is sort of going up and the, and the uh, drug group is going down. So it lowered amyloid, but they didn't get any better. 
And the reason they didn't get any better, we think, is because by the time people get Alzheimer's disease, their brain has been seriously damaged and seriously ravaged. And so the approach now is to identify people before they get sick and treat them with the drug. So the idea is to assess people for their risk, maybe their age is good enough, maybe genetics, do the amyloid PET scan, select individuals based on an amyloid scan who would be tried, who would be tested on amyloid with amyloid-lowering drugs, and then see if these amyloid-lowering drugs have an effect, and we can monitor the effects with this amyloid therapy. And uh, these are the folks who've contributed to my research by participating. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.